Father in heaven, we come to you this morning and we are grateful as Jonah teaches us that, Lord, you are a gracious God and merciful. Lord, you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Father, thank you for your love for the nations, for all people. Thank you, Father, that how Jonah, this little story, points us to your son, Jesus. And Father, for the, the marvelous truth of the resurrection and how there is life found in Christ. Not just beyond the grave, Lord, but life for today. I pray, Lord, that you would inspire our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would convict us of sin. I pray, Lord, that you would um, reveal to us, Lord, truth that we so desperately need that you, we could be effective ambassadors for your kingdom today. In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, we are in our fourth week of Summit. We have covered the book of Joel, where we talked about the day of the Lord. If you remember, that little book was divided up into three parts, where we talked about the immediate day of the Lord, the future day of the Lord, and the ultimate day of the Lord, and that Jesus is coming. And how that little book provides us comfort in knowing that God is aware of our affliction and our pain, and one day He is going to make it right. And now we are looking at the little book of uh, Jonah, rather. And Jonah, if you remember, is a pre-exilic prophet. And meaning that he wrote before the exile. And the idea of Jonah is that, you see up here on the chart, the idea of Jonah is that it shows us God's compassion for the nations. That God loves all the nations of the earth. And his intention was to use the nation of Israel to reach the nations of the earth, to declare his goodness and his mercy. But we see a reluctant prophet and the man named Jonah, who did not want to go to Nineveh because the Ninevites were Israel's enemies. And he did not want for God to show compassion on his enemies. Rather, he wanted God to judge the enemies of Israel. And this little book has four chapters. It can be divided nicely into chapter 1, where we see that Jonah runs from God. This is where God calls Jonah and says, Jonah, I've got a mission for you. And your mission is to go and preach a message of repentance and reconciliation and how the Ninevites can be made right in a relationship with me. And he did not like that, so he ran from God. And then we see that he was tossed out into the sea, right? Left for dead. But he runs to God in that desperate situation and God saves him through a large fish. And we see in chapter 2 that he runs to God. And then he gives thanksgiving for what God has done for him, how God has saved him, how God has spared him. And this morning we're going to look at chapters 3 and 4. In chapter 3, how Jonah runs with God, and then finally, in closing, chapter 4, he runs against God. So if you look at chapter 3, it can be broken up into Jonah's preaching, verses 1 through 4, Nineveh's repentance, 5 through 9, and then it closes in verse 10, where we see God's compassion. So, what strikes me about Jonah's preaching in verses 1 through 4 when we look at this is how we contrast chapter 3, 1 through 4 with the very beginning of the book. Notice this contrast. 
It says in chapter 1, 1 through 3, The war of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amati, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now contrast that with chapter 3, 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now what I love about that right there, right off this morning, gang, is that you know what that verse teaches me, what it reminds me of? Is that despite my past failures and my stubbornness and my rebellion and my refusal to obey, that God can still use me. That despite the fact that in my past I may have run from God and have been, I have refused to follow Him, that He can still use me today. Isn't that good news? You guys ever done something that you regret? You guys ever run, wondered if your sin is so great, can God still use me or am I now disqualified? Am I benched for life? Or can God use a reluctant prophet who has run from him now to accomplish his will and bring about great change in the lives of other people? Answer, Jonah 3. Again, despite what you've done or how many times you rebelled against him, if you turn to him today and you simply respond, God can use you to accomplish great things. That's good news. I need to be reminded of that. I need that hope. I need that encouragement. I need that reminder. So that's the first thing that strikes me about Jonah's preaching, is that he willingly obeys right here. And we see that God blesses this. Nineveh's repentance is found in verses 5 through 9. And what strikes me here is you see, not just that the people repent, but look, the king repents as well. And, you know, when we read this, we think, what does all that mean, you know, cover themselves with sackcloth and sit on ashes. It's a very physical, tangible, visible way of showing their repentance. It's a reminder of them to put on something uncomfortable like that. It's a reminder of them of, of what they have done, how they've offended the Lord, and their sincere desire to want to make that right. And you see that that the focus here is not so much that Jonah goes, and we don't have a long treatise here, right? We see that Jonah basically shows up and goes, hey people, repent. Because God wants a relationship with you. That there's hope and there's forgiveness through the Lord. The emphasis here in Jonah 3 is not that he gives a long, eloquent speech, but that God uses this reluctant prophet to change the heart of even the vilest of offenders. Isn't it amazing that the very people who were known for such atrocities, for their wickedness, that the implication here is that they repent and they, cha- and they change almost immediately. What strikes me and encourages me about this little section of Scripture in chapter 3 is that it is a reminder to us that, hey, despite the fact that we may look at people and go, hey, They are so far away from God. I wonder if it's even possible for them to change. This is a reminder that, hey, even the vilest of offenders, God can change their hearts. Maybe that was you at one point. The people looked at you at one point and said, man, I don't know if that guy can ever change. And yet here you are. And God intends you to be a Jonah to go now reach other folks. 
So the question is, hey, who have you written off? Who have you thought, man, I don't know if God could ever change their heart. And the encouragement to you is, keep praying. Keep loving them. Be faithful. Because you have no idea how, if you, with a simple message, are just faithful to bring it to those who are far from God, what God may do in their hearts. Their repentance was, became so famous that even Jesus commented on it, didn't he? In Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, I hope you looked at that. Jesus says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Referring to the generation that rejected Jesus. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. What Jesus is saying there is, is that, hey, what happened with Jonah and the repentance of the Ninevites, that was history, that was fact. That, that they are going to rise up and judge this wicked generation for rejecting me, Jesus. And finally, this little chapter ends and with verse 10, which I love. It says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. You see, as I said, the message of this book is God's compassion and love for the nations. And God relented of the judgment he was going to bring upon the Ninevites. Because they repented. They responded. You see, gang, scriptures teach us that God does not delight in the death of the wicked, but He desires for all men to come to know Him. Look at Ezekiel 33.11. It says, Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from His way and live. That's the God we serve. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all, all to come to repentance. You see, gang, the reason why the Lord hadn't returned as of yet, it's because every day He tarries is another day of opportunity for those who don't know Him. To come to know him. It's another day of opportunity for you who do know him to declare his goodness and his love to other people. It's an opportunity to serve him. So the lessons from Jonah 3 are, are these. Just a reminder. Our past failures do not disqualify us from being used mightily by God. See, Jonah's preaching. Despite the fact that he ran from him, God used him greatly. And brought about change in the hearts of the Ninevites. God can change the heart of even the vilest of offenders. The Ninevites were known for their brutality. And yet they were never so far off that God's grace couldn't reach them. Isn't that good news? And then it's a reminder to us as well that hey, God doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. But he desires for every man to come to know him. So the questions I want you to discuss in your group are these. How do your past mistakes hinder your confidence in the Lord's ability to use you? You see, I'm convinced that there are many of you in here who still wrestle with your past. And you wonder if God can use you despite your past. 
And the answer is, and the reminder to us is, yes, he can. He can redeem all that garbage and those scars. And use you as an instrument of mercy and grace in the lives of other people. Secondly, who in your life have you written off as, quote unquote, quote, unreachable? Maybe it's your brother, maybe it's your father, maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker or a college roommate, someone you've known for years. And you just thought, you know what, I don't know if, I don't know if their heart will ever change. I've prayed for them for years. Careful. Careful. Thirdly, when was the last time you had a significant conversation with someone about what it means to trust in Jesus? When was the last time you chose to be Jonah, Jonah chapter 3, and faithfully declare the goodness of God to others? Be used by him to declare the simple message of God's love. When was the last time you had a significant conversation with someone who was far from Jesus? And then it's worth discussing, what does Jonah 3 teach us about the character of God and his love for the nations? You see, Jonah, as I told you at the very beginning, it's not a story about a big fish. It's a story about a big God with a huge love for a wicked people. And how that same God loves us and desires a relationship with us. In your groups, what I want you to do is, I'll give you a short outline of of chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4 is divided like this. You see Jonah's displeasure in verses 1 through 4. You see a little object lesson that God uses to teach Jonah and reveal to him his selfish, obstinate heart in 5 through 8. And then you see just simply the conclusion of the book. And your small group leaders have uh, the discussion questions for chapter 4, but I'll list them up there. And so as, you, as I've already kind of shown you, hey, this is how we outline chapter 3. Here are lessons from 3, and then here's what you can discuss. What I want you to do, my challenge to you is, do the same thing with chapter 4. I'm not doing it for you up here, but I give you the short outline of chapter 4. Now ask yourself, with that outline, what are the universal truths? What are those lessons that we're to take away from chapter 4? What is it that God's trying to communicate? I mean, quite simply, how are we supposed to apply it to our lives? What is God teaching us through Jonah chapter 4? What was he trying to teach Jonah? What's he trying to teach us? And how do we apply it to our lives? King Jonah is a rich book. And it reminds us of God's love, mercy, and grace. And no one is ever so far away that God can't reach them. Isn't that good news? I just got back from um, over the weekend from my high school reunion, and that was a lot of fun. And it has been years since I have seen some of my friends. I mean, it's been decades. And a friend who wasn't able to go asked me, hey, hey, Blake, how was it? And I said, it was terrific and tragic all in one weekend. It was terrific in that you wouldn't believe the stories I heard of how God has redeemed some of our friends. Friends who in high school were, they just, they were running from God. And they have years of scars to show it. Pain in their lives. But then, somewhere along the way, someone was faithful to them to tell them the love, the mercy, and grace of Jesus. 
and to sit there and all that chaos and noise and music and people all around him, to sit there and talk to some of my friends, look me right in the eye and tell me, hey, this is how Jesus has redeemed my heart. I'm now following Jesus, Blake. See, I was blessed. When I was in high school, I was following Jesus. And I was the one that people looked at as the, the freak, Right? And now some of those very same people look at me going, hey, I know the Jesus you told me about back in high school. And it's changed everything. And then it was tragic at the same time. Tragic in that some of those same folks who have been rebelling against the Lord are still in the rebellion. And man, they look so hurt. So hurt. And what was even worse is the night ended with another classmate of mine who came up to me and looked at me. And I could tell he was not uh, doing well. He had had a little bit too much to drink. And he said to me, he said, so Blake, where are you right now? Remind me. And I looked at him and I said, well, I'm, I'm at Watermark Community Church. And, it, and, I, and I remember his face. It looked like he was going... Like, if he could just wake himself up. Because he looked at me and he goes, That's right! You baptized me! I said, That's right. About six months ago, I baptized you. And I got up and I put my arm around him and I just said, Hey man, I love you. And what you right now are living for and what you're chasing, brother, life's not there. It's going to leave you feeling empty, man. God's not trying to rip you off. He loves you. He loves you. And that's maybe, if he could, maybe all he could understand for that night. Tragic. And Jonah tells us that there's a God who redeems. Even today. Who changes the heart of even the vilest of offenders. Even those who you would look at and go, man, they'll never change. They'll be there, staying there, going, hey, God changed my heart. If you won't be the reluctant prophet, and if you will have the courage to have the conversations with people. I told my wife, I said, hey, listen, this is, I have no idea what this weekend's going to look like, but I can tell you this. I'm going to have as many significant conversations with people I know are far from God that I could possibly have. I don't care how awkward it is. Will you have those conversations? Will you point people to Jesus? Let's pray. Well, Father in heaven, I I thank you, Father, for the message of Jonah. And I thank you, Lord, that you can change hearts. I thank you, Lord, that you do change hearts. I thank you, Lord, for the number of stories I heard of lives that have been redeemed. And now, where there was destruction, there is now peace. Where there is pain, Lord... Now we see your providential hand at work. Whether it's hurt, Lord, we see hope. And Lord, I pray for my friend who I baptized right there in that pond at Watermark. Who right now, Lord, is, is looking for life in all the wrong places. I pray, Lord, that you'd bring about repentance. And I pray, Lord, that what would be true of Jonah chapter 1, changing, and we see that heart change and of obedience in chapter 3, would be true in his life. Lord, thank you that you're a God of second and third chances. May we not run from you, Lord, but may we cling to you. 
May we run with you, Lord, and not against you. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.